If you're having trouble getting a job, you're not special. We've all been there, including myself. Nobody has the answer all the time, but you do need to look at these things and you need to challenge yourself because you're too close to the situation. You are, you're too close to the situation. You may be kind of falling into some of the Dunning-Kruger. We all think we're a little bit better than we are, or we think, yeah, you know, it's not just about how good you are. It's not about the letters after your name. It, it is a little bit about visibility. I put out a tweet, man, I don't know, five years ago that, you know, don't mistake visibility with viability, because that was my way of saying, hey, just because somebody is well-known doesn't mean that they're actually really good. Um, but it also works the other way, guys. You can be really good, but if you're not well-known to a degree, at least within certain circles, or it's not distinguishable or obvious to people that have short attention spans, you can't really, like, you can't get mad. You can't. We just live in a different time, and it's very frustrating. I get it. It's not comfortable for anybody to sell themselves. Welcome to the Art of Coaching Podcast, a show aimed at getting to the core of what it takes to change attitudes, behaviors, and outcomes in the weight room, boardroom, classroom, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Brett Bartholomew. I'm a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of the book, Conscious Coaching. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student interested in all aspects of human behavior and communication. I want to thank you for joining me, and now let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. All right, a quick hitter here. This one is going to be all about this common phrase. I can't find a job in my field. What do I do? And again, this is a quick hitter. We're going to give some overarching concepts, very digestible, very easy. So if you're somebody that I just want this question answered now and I don't want to wait and I don't want to go to another resource, relax. We got you. All right. Now, on the other hand, these are going to be overarching principles. So if you do want that blueprint, you do want that play by play. We do have an online course that will help you with that. It's called Valued, and it's just a starter point. But guys, it'll help you. It has an opportunity matrix. So if you have several job options or you're not sure where to go, it'll help you decide that. It has what's called a self-monitoring assessment, which helps you understand how you're coming across, whether it's an interview during an interview process or another part of it. There are so many different things in Valued that can help you. And as I've said all the time, almost ad nauseum, just because I use the term strength and conditioning coach or athlete, these resources are for everybody. We've also, if you're new to the show, done a ton of episodes on everything from how to master the interview process. We've done that with Steven Mosier. We have stuff on our YouTube channel, how to stand out in your career, of course, in the right way, not to just be some flash in the pan. So please, please, please understand that this episode should be a taster. And I'm going to say some things that challenge you because we do have a lot of people that tend to reach out, coaches and otherwise, that essentially say, you know, some variation of, hey, I can't get a job. I have no idea what to do. Any ideas? So listen closely, but make sure to also understand this is just one piece of the puzzle. We dive more deeply and we also do mentoring on this because I feel you. I've been there. Trust me, I've been there. Um, So let's jump right in. The first thing is, all right, I know it's very easy to hear somebody's going to say, well, what about your resume? And guys, I I love and I hate that advice. Of course, you want to look at the low-hanging fruit and your resume, and that's the easiest thing to think of is, well, what about your resume, and what about your cover letter, and what about your references? So hear this. Yes, those things are important, but I'm also going to tell you to quit getting overly reliant on that. It's so easy to think that that's going to be your saving grace, and 
while a bad resume may lose you the job, a great resume by itself is not going to get you the job. It's just not. I mean, the research is clear on this, that a lot of resumes, you know, they tend to get glanced over. People are looking for big red flags. And for the ones that even do get picked, less than 20% even get an interview. And this is across domains. And that was data from 2015 in the job market. And even then, you know, we're not even talking about the turnover in field. So there are so many, especially in my field, strength coaches that are like, oh, you know, why can't I get a job? I have a resume. And then these are the same people that are, are quote unquote, kind of holding out for pro jobs or college jobs at the highest level and these things, which is good. That's aspirational. That's awesome. But just think of the numbers, right? So if you're not familiar with the professional sports world, the National Football League, there are 32 teams. Major League Baseball, 30. NBA, 30. National Hockey League, 31. And we're not even talking about the NRL. We're not even talking about uh, cricket organizations. We're not even talking about the others. But just in this highly coveted American sports market, right, that is almost like an entertainment industry, people look at those numbers, 30, 31, 32, and they forget that there are over 100,000 strength coaches just in the United States alone. Right now, you can argue, well, certain people don't have these certifications. They're not really a strength coach. Listen, the greater market, by and large, doesn't care. Our community cares. Should there be regulations? Of course, just like doctors and lawyers and, and what have you. But the bottom line is there are unqualified people that get hired for jobs all the time, all the time. And there's nothing we can do to stop that. There are quacks in every field. It is not unique. But what's troubling is when people think, hey, I can't get a job, yet they never look and point the thumb at themselves and think, gee whiz, like I'm only applying for the highest profile jobs and there's only 30 teams here and 31 teams here and there's you know, tens and thousands or over 100,000 strength coaches, even more than that if you're looking around the world. Guys, what, what do you think is really making you special? You know, just to play devil's advocate within my own field, what do you have a really cool like Excel template? What do you have a really unique way of getting data? What do you have your PhD I'm sorry, so do so many other people. And so if you think that, you know, your resume and all these things are are just going to get you there and you're going to be able to point to your qualifications and certifications, you have to understand that while our field cares about those things and they should and they're great and it's phenomenal, I commend you on your hard work, you are still having to battle the perception of the person that sees all of us the same, you know? And so I always tell people like, I, I'm sorry to say this, but what do you truly believe provides you with an edge within somebody that if, if somebody's looking at your resume, that's already overloaded with candidates and you know, they're going to often then turn to social media or they're going to ask their network, you know, maybe the, hopefully they go off your references, but what do you really think if you're honest with yourself and I'm telling you, be honest with yourself when it comes down to those of you that are, are just stuck and you can't find a job. What do you think that is truly unique about you? What makes you you absolutely irreplaceable and how is that evident how are you making that so evident or easy to understand to somebody that doesn't even know you right the laziest of people who are maybe looking at your background or maybe looking at your website for a second but when people say hey my resume is good and i've worked here and i'm applying to all these jobs and then they don't have a website and their social media page is clouded with you know, let, let's just put it not probably the best representation of, of their character, their professionalism, their personality, or it's very vague. It's maybe just a couple shots of their family or what have you. It, it's, it's hard. It's hard to show that you're really 
offering something unique. And we've been through this in the past. I'm not saying that you have to have some $10,000 website and you need to be this social media mogul, but you do need to understand that these things in the digital age still are your greater resume to the world. And what I am saying in concrete, absolute terms, that if you are just expecting your resume to speak for itself and you are expecting somebody to go through every single resume and learn almost everything there is about you and what makes you special off of a piece of paper. And hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully an interview, you're kind of living in a fantasy land. And I say that with the utmost love and respect. And I'm almost apologizing because, again, I don't want it to seem rude and I don't want to seem insincere. And by the way, while I'm recording this, the most massive spider in the world just crawled across my desk. So if you see me back up, I'm literally trying to like fence this thing while I'm, while I'm trying to give this information. So I'm going to try to not lose my spot. So, so that's one piece, you know, remember if you can't find a job, yes, take a look at your resume, but also, you know, be realistic about the nature of the field itself, you know, be realistic about what you're looking at doing. And are you, are are you, uh, what are you applying to? How, like, what's the market you're trying to address? Right. So and then also make sure the jobs you're applying for fit your experience and skills. So right after I came out of grad school, I would have been silly to to think I was going to get a job in pro sport or that I was going to get job at some, quote unquote, the highest level of what I did. Well, even though I had a master's degree and I had a lot of coaching experience, more more so that is typically common of somebody that was in my position, because I was really fortunate to have a lot of experience and get a lot of autonomy within my role. I still wouldn't have been a fit. Even if I could have led the warm up and wrote the programming and I could have had success, even if my skills matched up, the bottom line is I couldn't have really expected somebody to think, yeah, this kid out of grad school, no doubt, right? Same thing. If you've got a great background and a certain skill set, you know, that's phenomenal. But people also look for people that have been at that level. And now I totally understand the irony. I've been turned down for roles in the past where uh, not enough experience in this setting. And I, I always looked at my wife and would say, well, how am I supposed to get experience in that setting if nobody will give me experience in that setting i get it and again that's that's throughout fields there's not a ton that you can do about that that's where of course networking and social capital comes into place that's where you've got to look and say okay where are the connections the authentic true trust-laden connections that i've made and and if you're confused on the term social capital uh, check out our previous episode on that it's also laid out and valued but it's so much different than networking you have to think about where are you building these connections outside of your field as well? Where are, where are lateral moves that you can get into or how can you showcase yourself in a little bit different way? Because the reality is, is there are just some people that even if you're super qualified, if you haven't had that stamp of that league or that level of a, or a certain level of organization, they're not going to hire you, right? You can argue about it. You can whine about it. You can complain about it. It just doesn't matter. You're going to have to play the long game there. You really are. And even if you don't, if you haven't been in that kind of a role, but you know somebody that has, and maybe they can vouch for you and you can get them a sample of your work. But this is why it's so critical in my opinion. And I'm not asking any of you to agree with me. That's why I do think it is critical to have more than just your resume. It is critical to own your digital real estate, whether that's social media or online, because then somebody might even be able to give you the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I've been interviewed for performance director positions in pro sports And I've never been a performance director, but the people that talked to me about these roles said, hey, we've seen what you've done. Uh, We've listened to some of your work. We've had friends that have gone to your courses and clinics. 
I've expanded the opportunities to meet and get in front of these people and have kind of two-way dialogue. And that's what I'm encouraging. Look at other avenues where you can get in front of them, but quit thinking that just applying and applying and applying and, and doing all these things alone is going to be it. Okay. One we're going to breach over or kind of brush over for now, just because we have a whole podcast on it with Steven Mosier is improving your interview skills. Now, I'm not going to cover any of the things that Steven has talked about because it's a phenomenal episode. We have podcast reflections that go along with it. You should definitely check it out. What I am going to tell you what you can do is you should always be working on communication, both digital and otherwise. So everything you do is going to be a reflection of those skills, guys. The interview now extends beyond that little office, right? You're being interviewed if somebody's listening to you on a podcast. You're being interviewed if somebody sees something of you online. You're being interviewed all the time. We live in a 24-7 interview process now. So that's another thing. When people isolate and they think, well, I'm not going to engage and put myself out there in different forums or mediums, I am just going to lean on my experience. I'm proud of what I've done. I'm going to have a great resume. Phenomenal. And again, that's wor- that worked for decades. That worked for a long time, but it's not going to work that way anymore. There have been people that had beautiful, beautiful examples of all those things, all the experience, all the references, but digitally just didn't have good representations. Or maybe they did some kind of podcast, and we've talked about it before. I'm not immune from this. There have been people that have said, hey, do you worry about stating that you've ever stated your views so strongly on your podcast on certain things that that might scare off an employer. Well, one, no, I mean, I, I work for myself, right? And, and even if I did find a job that was something that, you know, was a really unique fit, because we've talked about it before, even on the episode, episode with my wife, uh, you know, we don't want somebody that doesn't want me as I am, right? And, and we found that that's been, that, that's helped us in certain situations. There have been people that have said, hey, I've listened to your podcast. I like what you stand for. And so I'm not asking you guys to muzzle yourselves. I'm telling you just to be thoughtful. It's okay to be challenging in your views as long as you're consistent and you're professional. What's not okay is throwing a bunch of stuff out there and saying, screw it. You know, people are just going to accept me how I am or, or not at all, right? There's a fine line. There's a delicate balance. Stand for what you believe in, but you still always have to remain professional in context or you have to remain consistent of your behavior in context. But I think that's another thing that people have to understand. Because remember, there are a lot of things, there's this old joke, and and we had it on a previous episode. You look at Darth Vader's resume, and there's a great cartoon of this where it says, you know, uh, builds community, displays strong leadership skills, you know, commits to projects, sees them done on time. But, you know, that doesn't mean that they're a great fit. Darth Vader wouldn't be a great community manager. There's so many things there. But, you know, resume is only one part. Cover letter is one part, right? But there's another battle and you're being interviewed all the time, whether you like it or not. Another thing is, you know, continually think outside the box within competitive landscape here. You know, you have to understand that if you're, if you're really coveting a certain role, chances are thousands or at least hundreds of other people are coveting that as well. So not only do you have to go back and think about what really, really, really separates you there, but think of think through what would the average person be saying on a resume? So many people tailor their resume to these positions because they're really trying to catch the eye of an employer. And we've talked about this in the past. Your resume is not about you. It's about them. How much do you really know about the problems they're trying to solve? So many folks out there are writing standard resume templates that basically say the same thing in the same ways. And they've done very little research on the problems that their employer is actually facing. 
Instead, the person writing the resume is trying to just seem perfect in general for a job like that or a position like that. Guys, do your research. Figure out what that company has struggled with. Look up news articles on them, media articles. Find out how their leadership uh, speaks. There's typically an internal nomenclature, and this isn't manipulative. This is you doing your due diligence because if you did get that job, you would need to become familiar with all those things anyway. So in my opinion, if you're really wanting a job for the right reasons, you should be already very familiar with these people, no different than a doctor with their patient. I don't wait until they get in the room to learn about their medical history, right? Like chances are I've looked at their chart. I reviewed some things that they filled out beforehand. Of course, we all know there's doctors that don't do that. But you guys get what I'm getting at here is you need to make sure you understand the situation, thinking outside the box and and make everything you do not look like everybody else's. And we forget that we get so caught up in our own little world. And that's just what makes your resume and everything else just look like an absolute blur. Okay. the other piece and, and it already ingrained with the interview process, whether you like it or not, you have to make sure your social media profiles look professional and just are. It doesn't mean you can't write things and include things about your family and your thoughts on other topics. But guys, listen, you don't need me to sit here and say this. If you think that all of a sudden, you know, you, you put something cute or witty or, or you know, that, that could be borderline inappropriate. And, and I know that's in the eyes of the beholder. You know, you can say anything in today's day and age and offend somebody, but you know, right? It, it kind of doesn't pass the bleep test. If, if you were uh, uh, somebody looking to hire somebody and you saw something that was contentious, you don't want distractions on your team. You just don't. You don't want distractions and you don't want inconsistent personalities and behaviors. So it's okay if you're a little bit of a spark plug. It's okay if you're, you know, you describe yourself another way, but at least be consistent. At least be consistent so these people know what they're getting. And again, it comes across this is what makes me unique. This is the thing that I really lock into and, you know, that, that helps me. Another piece, and we talk about this in the Passion Paradox episode, we talk about it in so many places. Guys, drop the whole do what you're passionate about thing, please. You know, just because you're passionate about something, and I've almost said this so many times, I'm scared of, of running off my current audience. You being passionate about something does not mean you should make it a job. You just shouldn't. Following your passion is not the best strategy when it comes to job markets, you know, saying there's only one job and one position and one role and, and one market, you know, that, that could make you happy is like saying you really only believe that there's one person out there who could possibly be your quote unquote soulmate and, and heaven forbid, you know, even for those of you and, and I'm happily married, there's many, there's tons of you that are happily married. I, I know you love your spouse and you love your significant other and they're the most special thing, but heaven forbid something happened to you or them or of course, we would want them to move on and be happy and find happy so, happiness somewhere else. And as much as we wouldn't want to believe it, that's possible. That's possible. It's a big world, over 7 billion people. So when people say, no, there's only one job and I'm committed to this, I love the, I love the passion. I love the tenacity, but it is misguided. You cannot be anything you want to be in this world, but you can be more of what you are already very good at. Now, does that mean that I'm saying that you should just, you know, I'm crushing your dreams and Brett, I don't agree. I think anybody can be anything they want to be. We could debate about that all day long and this isn't the episode to do that. But what I'm saying is if you're really struggling to pay the bills, if you're really struggling to put your significant other in a tough spot, if you're unhappy, guys, get another job right now. Find something else to do. There are so many other jobs that build ancillary skill sets. It's not like 
if you pivot and take a job in another market now, you're screwed. And I know there are people that will, hey, I was told if I get out of the field. No, there are so many people that get out of coaching and go into something else. And then that experience makes them better. And then all of a sudden they're a general manager. There are pro athletes that do this, guys. There are pro athletes that, you know, all they knew was sports. They didn't have experience in anything else. And now they have a wide world of opportunities. And you could say, well, they're a millionaire and they've got, they've got, uh, you know, so many different connections. All right. How many excuses do you want to make for yourself? All right. I, I challenge you on the opposite. Let's say you are absolutely hurting to pay the bills. You're miserable. You haven't found a job in so long. Your life's stressful. Give me a good argument of why you should keep selfishly going down that route in a market that's oversaturated, overcrowded, and you haven't had any luck worth yet, right? Like make sure that you can handle the base needs, get your mind right, reinvent a strategy there, and then go. You might meet people in different situations that can connect you in so many different places. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've met people in the business world or the finance world or something else that knew somebody else and got me a connection with somebody that helped with another project. It's just like when we train athletes, we talk about diversity of, of movement skills, diversity of training methods. Yet again, in my profession, strength and conditioning, so many people isolate. I need this job. I'm only going to put myself around this many people. I'm only going to learn these skills and that's fine. But then you have yourself to blame. Okay. Another thing is let history be your guide. Look at the past feedback you've gotten from employers, friends, family members. What do people come to you and ask you about constantly? What what kind of problems do others ask you to solve for them? Right? All these things are feedback. You know, and and I know feedback can be uncomfortable. And I know, you know, but there there's certain things that people ask you to do for them all the time that lend insight, probably into the kind of job you should be looking for. Now, this doesn't count if you're the shirtless bro that is always talking about working out. And because you literally, you know, rub it in people's face that you love working out 24 seven, that they're going to come to you for workout stuff. But you know, again, what do people pay for this? Did people pay you often as, so don't just look at, well, I love it so much. I'd do it for free. That's not a job. That's, that's a hobby. That's great. If that becomes your job, but guys, you know, you have to be wary. The people that say, you know, do it for free or just follow your passion, usually already have a lot of money or have achieved a lot of success, all right? And I know that can sound really rude. I'm just trying to be pragmatic here. I'm okay if this episode, you know, really kind of fires you up a little bit. What I'm telling you is you have to be pragmatic. Don't just turn a hobby into a profession. Don't think that this mythical 10,000 hours of deliberate practice means that you're not going to have any struggles and roadblocks because you can be good at something but still not know how to maneuver the crowded market. And that's so often what happens. You have a skill set, but you're still in an oversaturated market. There's a demand and supply issue, right? There's, there's very little demand because there's so many other people. Then you have to think about what really makes you special. And at the end of the day, that's it. You have to think of yourself like an invention. If you were going to patent an invention, you're going to have to prove in a court of law that you have a unique product or a unique delivery method, or a unique user experience, and not unique like you think it's unique. Unique as in you can prove it does not exist out there in another capacity, or yours is so distinctive that, you know, there's no confusion in the market. And you don't think that's hard? Guys, try trademarking something. Try it. Go through the trademarking process. It's amazing. You learn why a toothpaste company calls itself Crest, because that's such an ambiguous term that, you know, now, you know, if they just called themselves white smile or if they called themselves sparkle teeth, whatever, 
that stuff wouldn't even pass in most trademark offices. It just wouldn't. Not the registered trademark, not the federal trademark. So when you think of your skill set like an invention, it becomes more, oh, I get it. Like thousands, millions of people submit for inventions and patents every day, and they don't get it because it's too similar. Well, you're doing the same thing in the job market. So I appreciate all of you. I certainly respect you. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to give you a wake-up call. If you're having trouble getting a job, you're not special. We've all been there, including myself. Nobody has the answer all the time, but you do need to look at these things and you need to challenge yourself because you're too close to the situation. You are. You're too close to the situation. You may be kind of falling into some of the Dunning-Kruger. We all think we're a little bit better than we are or we think – yeah, you know, it's not just about how good you are. It's not about the letters after your name. It, it is a little bit about visibility. I put out a tweet, man, I don't know, five years ago that, you know, don't mistake visibility with viability because that was my way of saying, hey, just because somebody is well-known doesn't mean that they're actually really good. Um, but it also works the other way, guys. You can be really good, but if you're not well-known to a degree, at least within certain circles or it's not distinguishable or obvious to people that have short attention spans, you can't really like you, you can't get mad. You can't. We just live in a different time and it's very frustrating. I get it. It's not comfortable for anybody to sell themselves. Listen, if you want more on this, check out episodes on interview skills with Stephen Mosier. Check out our YouTube channel. We have things like how to, you know, get ahead in your career. If you're a strength coach and you're still struggling with this, we have free YouTube videos, the realities of becoming a strength coach, all this stuff. You're not alone. I know this may make you mad and you're like, well, I want answers now. I'm giving you them. You just have to ask yourself if you're listening. You have to go back and do the hard work. If you do want a playbook and you said, hey, you know, I actually have the opposite problem. I'm getting jobs and I don't know which ones to take and, and all these pieces. All right, well, you know, now now think about, you know, the opportunity matrix and everything we talk about in Valued, which you can find on artofcoaching.com. I hope this helps. I hope this challenges some of your assumptions. Again, please, please, please never think that a resume is enough or that passing your business cards out is enough. They're not. They're not enough, guys. I promise. And I'm sorry, but I just want to give you the truth. Until next time, Art of Coaching Podcast. Talk to you soon.